you have to act. This is really when you're first starting out. Is you have to act wherever you can. You can't be picky. You really have to act wherever you can and wherever you get a chance to act. And that might even be just in an audition room. This is something a teacher told me years ago, and he's right. Even if you're auditioning for something that you know you're never going to get, or you might have read it and you might not even have liked it, but you know that you have to go. That if you get a chance to act in a room that somebody else has paid rent for, then you're given a free chance to to uh, to practice your craft. And in that moment, you should act as well as you can. Because if you leave the room or the theater or wherever you are and you've acted as well as you can, there's no way that the people who've watched you will forget it. And that's that was something that somebody told me a long time ago. And I do think that's the only advice because it's it's always about that. It's always about the work at the end of the day. Everybody knows that. Absolutely. If I show up to if I show up to work one day. And the work I'm doing isn't any good. I'm just a guy who's not acting well. <laughs> I mean, I'm a guy who's not acting well, you know. And that, and you're just always back to that moment. You're always back to that moment where you have to act as well as you can. And I would say that to anybody starting out, is like if you're given a chance to act, take those words and bring them alive. And if you do that, something will transpire ultimately. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Doing It Podcast. I'm Will Conlon. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we talk to creative types and artists of all kinds about the process of creativity, about what motivates us, keeps us going, passion, life, drive, soul-fulfilling material. This is what we talk about. At the top of the show, you heard a clip from Philip Seymour Hoffman, and I've actually played that clip before. It's an awesome clip. I'm happy to play it again. But the reason I did is because it's referenced in my interview today with Andy McQueen, who is an actor, a brilliant, brilliant actor. I know I throw that word brilliant around a lot, don't I? But in this case, I I can't think of a better word. He's an amazingly brilliant actor that I've gotten to see work on stage before and and on uh, film and TV. and, And wow, he's also a writer. He's also a director. He's an incredibly motivated individual. And uh, we have a great conversation all about the art of entertaining and acting and everything. So that's coming up in a minute. Um, things are going very well. Uh, there's been uh, some, some really cool developments. And one of the ones I want to tell you about right now that's pretty uh, cool is coming up this week on Thursday. I'm going to be airing uh, an episode of the podcast a little early. I'm going to be talking to Robert Watts who was the producer of the original Star Wars trilogy, the original Indiana Jones movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He did Who Framed Roger Rabbit, 2001 A Space Odyssey. He's coming over here from England, and he's doing a show called A Conversation with Robert Watts at the Royal next Saturday, June 25th at 2 p.m., I believe it is. You should check that out. He's going to be talking about his experiences in the entertainment industry and working on these iconic films. And he's going to be on this podcast. So that's going to go up on Thursday the 23rd. And then if you like what you heard and you want to hear more from this fascinating man, you can go see his show at the Royal in Toronto on June 25th 
at 2 p.m. Go online and find the tickets and go. It's going to be great. And I'm, I'm very honored that I get to sit down and have a, a, a talk with him. So I'm, I'm, that's going to be very cool. And today, speaking of very cool conversations, just as important, of course, and no, I'm not being sarcastic because I believe no matter how far you've gone or how far you've come, you're, if you're an artist and you're dedicating what you do to what you love, you are definitely worth talking to. And you have amazing stories no matter what you've worked on and no matter where you've come from because that's people. Everyone's got an amazing story. Everyone um, is, is, is worth talking to and worth hearing from. Andy is one of these people that's so full of energy and so full of, of happiness and joy from, from acting, from writing, directing, from the creative process. And you sense that from him right away, even before you start speaking with him. And we had an amazing conversation and, and we just kind of went and went and went. And, and eventually I looked down and I'm like, wow, we've been talking for over an hour. And I, I feel like we could have talked for four hours. In fact, after the conversation was done, we went out and did just that. We talked for another, I think, two or three hours. Um, I saw him perform in a, a play called Jesus Hop the A Train, and he uh, he blew me away. I, I I this is the nice thing is that I go to see this play, didn't know anybody that's in it. I just knew the director, and then I walk away a fan of this guy's work. Rarely do I see performances that are jaw dropping. And, and his was one of them. And I got to meet him that night, and we did the Facebook thing the last few years. Oh, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And uh, I got to have him on, and I'm so glad because um, it's a very enriching conversation. So here we go. This is my conversation with Andy McQueen. Check this out. There's a lot of great comics in the city, like we had talked about before. I saw, I went to the, uh, what's it called? The Underground? Not the Underground. The Bottomless Pit. Uh-huh. And I saw a guy named... Uh, Chris, I forget his last name. Chris Robinson? No, I forget his last name. He he's married. His wife was also performing. Okay. Um, and she was pregnant, and it was amazing. It was hilarious. So he hosted it for the first time. They do a comedy show, I guess, once a month, but he'd never hosted it before. But so funny. But we had talked about that before. We had talked about comedians in the city and how like not a lot of like cast and directors or agents go out to see shows and stuff like that. Like comedy shows, you mean? Like co comedy shows, yeah. Yeah, well, it's 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 true. Usually, they they only go if it's a word of mouth thing. Yeah, and yeah. they're like, oh, it's worth seeing, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And then they'll they'll go and see. Yeah. But I mean, like this has been uh, like an ongoing discussion on this podcast. Yeah. About the state of comedy in this uh, country. Yeah. Really, because it's what's it's, being put out there. Well, not just what's being put out there, but the fact that people just aren't going. Yeah. People just aren't going to the clubs anymore, and they're not supporting it. I mean. 10, 15 years ago when I was doing stand-up, yeah. like I did it for about a decade, a little yeah. over a decade, and there would be five, six shows a week. Like yeah. if, you were, if you were on a, a show, like in Mississauga, say, yeah. at uh, the Yuck Yucks there, there would be five or six shows in a week. Now there's two. Wow. There's two. And they so, don't sell out, usually. So what's happening? Like, people aren't going to comedy shows anymore. That There's all sorts of theories. Yeah. Um, I think it's both an external and internal problem. Yeah. Externally, people are just... Um, not going to the clubs because yeah. they're too busy. You know, they watch a lot of stand up on Netflix. They watch That's it right. on YouTube and That's everything right. else. I think, why, why the fuck would I leave the comfort of my own home? Yeah. If I just want a few laughs, I can pop on YouTube for five That's minutes right. and get or, my fill. Or Netflix really showcases their stand up now. Right. They have right. a whole exactly. section. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then internally, though, the, the comedy scene here, a lot of clubs, 
especially Yucky Yucks, which kind of is kind of the big conglomerate of comedy mm-hmm. clubs in this country, they just don't support their comics well. Really? Yeah, they don't support them well. They um, and they don't they don't advertise well for their yeah. clubs or enough, and and they 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 tend to cheap out when it comes to comics. So you'll get all these newer, younger guys who want to make a name for themselves. So they're willing to do a show for half the cost of what the older professional comics will do it for. Yeah. So wow. they'll hire those comics and they're not as good. Mm. So then an audience comes to and a, they're a, to a yuck yucks or a yeah. comedy club. They're disappointed. And they say, I'm not going back. So they don't even, even the stuff that we're making here on television, like it's still safe. Yeah. A lot of the comedy that we're doing is still safe. Like we're still not uh, breaking that sort of barrier to make better content. Yeah. And it's the same old thing over and over again. So it's like, how, when will the system change? I don't think it will. Unless we make our own work. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Which is like the, the thing about it all. Like the thing to do is to make your own work. Right. Because that's how you get seen. That's how things happen. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. I think that was the first one of the first conversations you and I ever had was yeah. the, the content uh, in this country. Like that the, was two years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. And what's changed in two years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If anything, it's gone the opposite way. Yeah. Well, and it's discouraging too, especially yeah, for a guy like you. Yeah. You've been acting and writing and yeah. involved in lots of stuff. How long now? Uh, for five years, I'd say. Five years? Five years. But yeah. still, I mean, I've been doing it since I was a kid. Yeah. But I started to realize after Jesus hopped the A train that I'd have to make my own work. Mm-hmm. And then that would be the best thing to do because then I wouldn't go crazy. Yeah. Because otherwise I would just go nuts if I wasn't making my own stuff and, and putting my heart and soul into those things, then I would just be waiting around for auditions. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the worst part. Exactly. It's putting your entire life, your entire career, yeah, everything that you are into someone else's hands. Exactly. Right? Exactly. There's no point in doing that. Like, no. it's, it's just like... If you have the ability to write, you can get any kind of program or you could write on paper and you just write and you make stuff. And we have enough friends now that will come together to make things happen. Yeah. You know, enough people are saying, okay, that's it. Let's make something and let's just just do our own thing. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of things have you been doing? I just uh, actually wrote and directed my first short. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I did, yeah. Thanks for the call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a couple of weeks ago now. Actually, uh, maybe like a month and a half ago, I uh, wrote a short, like literally like in 10 minutes, but it was just something in passing that I was just like, I just need to write this idea. I wrote it down. I sent it to a friend. She was like, let's make this. She produced it, and uh, we made it happen. We that's, got the team together. We we did it, and we submitted it to TIFF. Who knows what's going to happen with that? But, that's awesome. I mean, it was just like the cool idea of like, okay, we have to make something. And me, like, I can make things. I'll write stuff, and I'll never, nothing will ever come of it. Right. Like, unless you have a team in place that you are uh, accountable, you have, if you're held accountable, then you're going to do it. I'm going to do it personally because if I have a deadline, I have to do it. And I, if other people are counting on me. Then I have to do it. That's Whereas, great. like, if I just were writing and writing and writing and writing, I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, nothing will ever have to come of this. But like, knowing that people want to make something together is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, like knowing that people are like, all right, yeah, I'll come out do camera. I'll do sound. Like, you know, art direction. Here, here's a place we got. Actually, right down the street here at Bobby Sue's Mac and Cheese 
at um, Dundas and Ossington. They gave us the spot, let us use it, and they're like, if you ever want to use it again, let us know. Really? So it's just people coming together and making stuff. That's just the beauty of it all. That's awesome. Yeah. See, I've always found it, um, there's there seems to be two types of, of people that you know in this industry, those that are passionate and dedicated and will do that. You'll call them up and say, you want to do this? And they're like, yeah, yeah. and they're on exactly. board, and they're there, and they really are in it yeah you know and then there are people then, that say it and then they don't that's right yeah <laughs> and unfortunately i find that second group there's more of those people this is the shitty part man because it is. it's like yeah of course i'm gonna do it and then you call them they're like ah oh, you know what something just came up yeah they're like oh man oh no i can't daredevil season two just came out on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. oh i'm kind of busy this weekend <laughs> or oh i just partied all night and i'm hung over but let me give you another excuse isn't that the worst yeah like you, that to me is like you know what just lied D- tell me that you you went out partied last night got and you're hungover yeah. is is such a terrible <laughs> terrible reason yeah lie to me yeah. tell me one of your parents died like, yeah because well like like what a horrible thing this like well you know what people people actually don't even say that they'll say things like well who knows if it's true or not but like oh i just caught a fever it's yeah. like how did you catch a fever in like five minutes yeah. like five minutes ago you were fine and now you have a fever it's like i can't come man i got a fever i can't do this it's like are you serious this is like so last minute yeah if you had a fever you would have known last night yeah. you could have messaged last night that's you know right. what i mean that's right or called and these are people that they've already committed committed right? yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's the right. problem though that's what's so discouraging because you're right there are two types of people there are people that are passionate and dedicated and they'll make things happen and then there are people that are passionate and dedicated that won't make things happen and so therefore they're not so passionate but when it comes to doing something that's when you know if someone's real or not you yeah. know like when it comes to bringing a team together and everybody's like they're making stuff especially because it's low budget stuff and or little to no money but if they're coming out to help you and to work as a team, then you know that's your tribe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like doing that short film, I know that's my tribe. And that when push comes to shove or making another project, like I will make that project with those same people because they work together so well. Yeah, I it's it's easy to understand now. I remember growing up wondering why like Tim Burton works with the same people and yeah. a lot of directors work with the same people. And this is why they're reliable. Exactly. They're reliable, they're talented, yeah. and they're hardworking. And you know you're going to get everything you need from them without yeah. fail exactly and i i always thought I was like come on give somebody else a chance give somebody like if they're there and they're down and they're they're just as passionate as you are yeah. then i you might as well make it with those people yeah like why change what's already working yeah you know? exactly you know it's funny too because when i um one of the first first piece of advice i got when i started stand up mm-hmm. as a young young guy they that I've carried through everything that I do in this industry, which is one of the comics said to me, um, I had gone up and done a show and it was like an amateur night and there was like nobody in the audience. There was a couple of people. So my energy was down. My yeah. heart wasn't into it. And it was obvious. And yeah. the guy that was emceeing the show, the comic, who was a pro comic, said yeah. to me, um, what the hell was that? I've seen you. you you've done way better than that before. Yeah. I said, yeah, I know. There's hardly anyone here. And he's like, really? That's the attitude you have? Oh, man. Really? Yeah. Says okay. So because there's only a couple people in the crowd, I guess what? That's not enough for you. They yeah. didn't pay enough money, or, or or you know. So it's not really worth your time, right? Yeah. It's not really worth your time. And he's like, you're you're not going to go very far in this business. Interesting. If 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 you're just going to like cop out. Yeah. When it's not working for you. Yeah. 
And he says, every single fucking show you play it, like you're playing Vegas to like a, a 500,000 yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, people crowd. Yeah. You play this fucking show every time you get up there because it's a privilege to get on that stage. Absolutely. And do Absolutely. what you're doing. That's, that's, uh, somebody had said that about auditioning. I think, it's, I think it was Philip Zimmer Hoffman had said that if you get the chance to audition for anything, it doesn't matter what it is, yep. use that opportunity as a stepping stone mm-hmm. or, or an opportunity to practice, you know, like an opportunity to hone your craft because you don't know when you're ever going to get that opportunity again. No. And if you, if you can learn in those places where you would have felt otherwise, like felt like, Oh, there's not enough people here. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't give it my all. Yeah. Then you're never going to progress. No. You know what I mean? But no. that's such a, that's a, such a, a young mentality for an artist, you know, like, or an artist that feels like they deserve the world at the beginning. If someone offers you an opportunity and you say yes, then you need to give it a hundred percent as if someone just handed you a million dollars and said, you're, you're going to work with Spielberg today. Yeah. You, you need to treat it like that. And you never know what will come of it. Like, you don't know, know what's going to come in of that it. five person audience. One of those people could change your life. Exactly. You know, one of those people could be somebody right. that would be like, you know what? I saw you there today and you gave it your heart, gave it all. And, and, and I want to work with you. Yeah. That's all it takes. Like yeah. it, that's a crazy thing. Exactly. That's like what we talk about with like, that's why I say it's unfortunate that there's, there's not as many stand up comics or, or like you said, shows anymore. Oh, there's, there's not a shortage of stand up comics. Not, not many shows. Yeah. Um, because when you have that mentality of like, or even doing a theater show, like have that mentality of like, no one's here. Like, you know, I'm just going to half ass it. You never know who's in the audience. that will be like, ah, that person, there's something about that person that I really, really like. And I would love to work with them in some capacity in the future. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's just like going out to parties and stuff like that. And like people, when they're at parties at like tip or something like that, they're always, their eyes are always darting around the room looking for the next important person to talk to. But if you look at networking as an idea of connection, and you can connect with one person out of like 20 yep. or 200, that one person could, will mean more to you in the long run than like two, talking to 200 people and handing out business cards. Yeah, exactly. Well, you because I mean? loyalty is, is, is very rare in exactly. this business period. Absolutely. So when you connect with somebody that way and then you can work with them and prove that you're worth working with. Yeah. But it also, it's at a cellular level too. It's, it's not even about, to me, it's not even about um, what could happen or mm-hmm. the opportunities that could happen from this or where it could lead. It's about, this is who I said I want to be. This is what I said I want to do. Mm-hmm. If I don't give it everything I've got, yeah, okay, regardless of the outcome of this, which could be nothing. And, yeah. and I'm sure like me, you've been involved in projects that literally went nowhere. Maybe yeah. even didn't finish. Exactly. Never even finished oh, editing yeah. the thing. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. But at least you can say, you know what? I was, I was professional and I was dedicated yeah. and I put forth my best efforts. Now you may say, because that person didn't finish the project or, you know, fucked yeah. off, I'm not going to work with that person again. And it's a learning, I, it's a learning lesson. Yeah. Yeah. But at least again, at a cellular level, you can say, I say I'm an artist mm-hmm. today. I was an artist and I did what I wanted to do. Yeah. And that's it. Regardless of what happens. That's like when people go in for auditions and like, Oh, I should get this role. But like, they literally looked at the page the night before and that was it. And they walk into the room with the pages. It's like, why do you think you deserve more than the person that read the script a hundred times, then memorized the lines, then did all the work. Why, why do you think you deserve more than that person? Because that's someone with passion. Yeah. Larry Moss, an acting coach, said uh, once in a he asked in an acting class, he's like, "Raise your hands if you think you could do anything other than acting. If if there's something that you would rather do, it, or or you like more than it." And he said, "Okay, well the people that raise their hands clearly aren't as passionate 
as the other people. Yeah. And if there is something else that you can do, go do it. Because a chef is not going to go in and be like, you know what? There's like 10 people in the restaurant today, so I'm just going to cook this like kind of all right. Yeah. You know, like they're going to they're going to perform to the utmost of their capacity. Like they're going to make something happen. Yeah. You know, not to mention the fact that you want to choose the toughest career on the planet. Yeah. There's some people that are that foolish to think yeah. um, I'll be an actor and I'll be a millionaire in a year. Well, right? that's, that's what gets me sometimes when you when you meet new people and they're like, so what do you do? He's like, act, I'm an actor. It's like, oh, you know, I've always I want to try I want to try that out. Like, you need to, what do you mean you want to try that out? Like, it's not something you just try out. It's something you actually have to, like, work towards. <laughs> yeah. It's like everybody, like, if you're in finance, you went to school for finance. Hey, if you could do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is basically saying, it's just like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought about doing, I've done a few things here and there, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try it out one day. Yeah. It's like, so do you have an agent or like, what's going on? It's like, what are you, what, can you hook are, me up with your are agent? Are you serious <laughs> right now? Why? What? <laughs> You want to try acting out? You know how long and hard people have to work in order to even get like a principal role on television? Yeah. It's just like, why? Why? And then they put a limit on it. Oh, I'm going to give it a try for about two years. Yeah. And if it doesn't work. And it was like, okay. That, that's the thing, right? When people give themselves those timelines, it's like in five years, if it doesn't work out, then I'm not, I'm not going to be a director anymore. Yeah. It's like, what? what? Well, you could, it could take you 20 years. Yeah. To become a director or to not become a director, but to make something that people, the world can see or you're proud of. It takes time to make good work. That's right. It takes time to make good work. And it's, it, it's foolish to think that you can pick up, you know, like you can pick up the pen and, and start writing a script and think like the first draft is going to be amazing because it's probably not going to be. Well, amazing. even like Aaron Sorkin will, will say that usually his first draft is like just no what a right you know he, yeah. there's a couple of things that i'll keep but there are ideas yeah <laughs> there's this thing that francis ford coppola said years ago that i read in uh, an article he said that like the problem with young writers is that like even before page five we're all backspacing which is true like that's the thing like you're just like you want the perfect first page but like if you just keep trying to do that first page you're never going to get to page 90 that's right you know what i mean so it's it's hard and it's a hard thing to remember it's hard to remember that like it's not going to be perfect so you just have to just Stream of consciousness, just keep going, keep going right. as much as you can. Because like you said, Aaron Sorkin, you're going to find little tidbits of gold in that first draft. It may not necessarily be the same thing that you do at the end, but you'll find ideas and, and, and that from there you'll work on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, do you like, how do you like the writing process? I love it. Yeah? I love it. It's, it's a hard thing because um, not being solely a writer so when you when an audition comes up or like something else in life comes up you start to it, you i fall out of the pattern okay but i find when i'm writing and like i get lost in it like it's a really great experience you just put on some music you know you just write and is there something particular you like to listen to because i do that too I sad music. music i love sad yeah. music it doesn't matter yeah. what it is like but like, like acoustic classical, yeah classical there's a there's an artist named max richter his works you can use a lot um he just like he did a uh uh, Vivaldi, not cover, but like he, I guess he, he redid it in his own, interpret, reinterpreted it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of like acoustic stuff, it depends on what I'm writing too. I mean like, and I'm writing like very different things. Like one thing is a comedy and one thing is like a drama and like the songs are totally different. You got like Kendrick Lamar on one side and like Ray LaMontagne on the other side. And it's just so interesting how music affects the writing process. It's oh, yeah. such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And some people can't write with music and some people can. But like when I was going to when I was going to school, like I was that person that needed to be in a coffee shop studying as opposed to like a silent library. 
Yes. Just like my mind does not work in that way. I need some sort of noise to like fill things in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way, except when I'm like, if I'm at home, yeah, like in my house, and I my roommate's there, or I have someone there, I can't, I can't write. I'm too really? distracted. But if I go to a coffee shop, no problem. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's I, true. I think it's got something to do with personal space. Yeah, I think when you're home, you're in your space, and yeah. it's supposed to be safe, and it's supposed to be yours, and everything else. Yeah, and when someone else is there, even if they live there, you feel like someone's in my space. That's true, actually, and like you you're know? always. Whereas a coffee shop is not your space and you know that going in, right? Yeah. So it's your, you understand it's a shared space. And you're also, and you're also inspired by the things going on around you too. Like that's always a beautiful thing when you're in a coffee shop and some of my best writing in my opinion has been done in like coffee shops, like Dark Horse or like Tango Palace in the East End. Like it's because you see something, you're like, oh, that, that's a cool little character thing. You just start adding it to your, your own thing. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, is that what you did when you were writing the short that you just did? Um, no, I wrote that in between writing something else that I'm working on. But like, it was because this whole super this the, the short is about like a female assassin okay. that's hired to kill um, people who are already in relationships who are cheating on their spouses. So cheaters. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's just like a fun. Um, little, it was a fun little short. Do, do something you want to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there, is there another place we need to yeah. go here? Wow. It's uh and it's um it's a case of mistaken identity with the short. It's called Later Baby, but it's a guy who sees this really attractive woman, and she's like, "Are you Dennis?" And he's like, "Uh, yeah, I'm Dennis." So he pretends to be the other guy because he sees this attractive woman. He's like, "All right, let's go out." And in this case, a mistaken identity leads, of course, to him being being killed. Wow. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not. I don't. I, I mean. <laughs> it's not I, as dark I, as you I'm think I'm not it is. saying that I'm going to have any of my exes assassinated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, wow. That's yeah. great. So how'd the shooting go then? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, so the, the what I really want to do with it is turn it into a web series. Yeah, and I think the easiest thing in these uh, these days is to make a web series, mm-hmm. like to to put something out into the world, yep. make a web series. And yep. So, um, in the in the short version, the character is is killed, but in the in the web series pilot, he's wearing a bulletproof vest. Okay, and so he he becomes this woman's unlikely partner or sidekick oh. in the in the following episodes. Interesting. Yeah. So the first one's in. It, it's in addition to being short film, is essentially a pilot or a yeah, kind of an introduction, exactly, to or thing. or a proof of concept. Yeah, what that you can shop like I can shop around to to certain um, uh, production companies and stuff like that. Who did you play? In- I played uh, the character, the mistaken identity, who pretends to be like the cool dude, but isn't the cool dude. Yeah, and and then he gets he goes on a date with this really attractive woman, and and then. It, it all goes downhill from there. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Although he thinks it's going great, but yeah. it's not. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like the perfect role. Yeah, play. yeah. <laughs> is that like, is, as a writer, do you find that, especially when it's a project like that where you know you're going to be playing? Like, I, I write all the stuff that I write. Mm-hmm. I know all the characters essentially are me because they say that the writer is yeah. only writing himself or in aspects all, of himself in, and in all, all the characters. characters. Yeah. Which is yeah. crazy. And, and of course when I write certain things, it's like, Oh, I, I want to play this role, but I know that I, I may be pitching this somewhere else. And mm. they're like, all right, we're, we're going to find someone else. We're going to get, Oh, you mean the you idea know, of losing out Liam on Hensworth the role. To yeah. Play it or yeah. something like that. Losing so on the like, role. Say. And that's okay. I mean, that's okay. But you were writing this. Yeah. Knowing you're going to direct it and film it as yeah. well and act in it. Yeah. Okay. So you're writing the character knowing full well you're going to play it. Yeah. How does that translate for you as a writer? Do you? It's, it's, it's interesting because um, 
there's an, a teacher in, in Toronto, Rail and Bodhi, who's incredible. And uh, we did, through the CFC, we did this thing called uh, In Character, or the, the, our final projects. Yeah. Sort of the, the, the final projects where we got to create a character, we got to work with the writer, and the writer wrote the character for us in what, from what we wanted to mm-hmm. do. And Ray said to me in, a, in sort of like a rehearsal thing, um, a rehearsal, she was like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if, if you wrote it or you know the character. Yeah. You never know the character enough. You know, right. even if you have the idea, even if I wrote, I wrote this character for myself, I can, I, I can pretend like I know everything about this character, but then I still have to do the work as an actor and things may not necessarily go how I wrote them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I know all the beats in my head and how it, how the pacing works, but that in itself is also dangerous because then you start to play the idea as opposed to what it really is. Okay. You know what I mean? That's yeah, what I yeah, found. Yeah. That's what I found having written the character for myself because I was like, oh, this is how this joke goes. This is how this joke goes. I was like, nah, they can't get into that rut because then I'm doing disservice to my scene partner because I think I know exactly what I wrote is right. Yeah. And it's not necessarily true because in comedy it works with two people playing off one another. That's interesting. And see, that's that's why I was wondering if you kind of know as an actor, mm-hmm. all of those skills that you've learned about how scenes are constructed and yeah. how they play out and everything else, when you go and write now, yeah, you know how to construct a scene a little bit better. Absolutely. Because you can understand, no, 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 this is where it's The objective, to go, right? yeah. the obstacles. Um, I, I heard something from a, a friend of mine once, uh, Jeremy Lalonde, he's a writer and director. He had said, uh, when writing two characters, what, what's the, the worst thing that could happen to this character. Yeah. Like what would be the worst situation to put them in? Yeah. So somebody who is like a family person who's taken away from their family. That's such a, it's, there's, there, there, it's conflict. Yeah. And when we look at it as actors, we're thinking, okay, we always do this work, but when you're writing something now, it's intu- it's intuitive. You're already thinking, your brain's already firing off. It's like, okay, so how can I make this? You're looking these, for the con. How can I find the opposites in these characters? Yeah. How can I find? How can I put them in the worst position for them possible, yeah. and see them get out of it, or well, see them work around it? Because that's the whole point to a story, right? Yeah. Is that there's no story if there's no conflict. Exactly. There's no drama, right? You gotta like I like the way you said that. Like you basically have to create that character's worst fear. Yeah. And have it come true for them. Exactly. And then see if they overcome it or they don't. Yeah. One or the other. And that's a, it's a hard thing because like uh, you could write and write forever and. If you're not really paying attention to those things, sometimes you just, you just, it all just becomes repetitive. Yeah. And like sometimes a scene that's 15 pages or five pages, whatever, it could be like a page. Yeah. Like it's easy to pare it down. Yeah. And my tendency is that I love to like run on with like monologues and shit like that. Yeah. And it's not, that's part of the actor. It's just like, exactly. It's just like, if I'm going to play this character, I want a monologue. But <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I, I can't do that. That makes no sense. Yeah. And it could be much funnier and much clearer if it's shorter. It doesn't need to be a, a, a Woody Allen monologue because I'm not Woody Allen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I, it's hard because you start to get influenced by other writers. Like as I started oh, writing, man. I was like watching all these movies like, oh, this is who I, this is my voice. This is, no, this is my voice. And you're just like, no, nah, you got to find your own, your own place within all of that. If I'm writing a particular story or script, I won't watch anything that's even remotely close mm. to the subject that I'm writing. Like, that's like good, the yeah. very first thing that I wrote was uh for, in terms of a script was a a werewolf story yeah right and it was uh so no twilight a, a, a well no well i didn't want to see <laughs> yeah twilight yeah I, I knew enough about it no i don't want to see yeah. it and i kind of 
relied more on the fact of all the old werewolf stories I liked in the 80s and stuff, which are uh, not like they were now. No, no, no. But the now point it's is, like it's all like teen drama yeah, werewolves. It's teen dramas. It's, yeah. it's you know, they they've even abandoned a lot of the mythologies. They don't change their Which the is the coolest moon. part about exactly. all of that stuff is the mythology. That's what I love about like vampire stories, yeah. werewolves, like what is the mythology behind like what's behind it all? Yeah. Like how did it start? That's right. You know what I mean? That's and right. There was a movie that came out years ago called or not years ago, a year ago I think it was called Dracula Untold. Yeah, I want to see like, that. And I was like I was hoping that it would be good, but it's not It wasn't. Good at all. But like the trailer was amazing. The trailer did look good. Yeah, the trailer was amazing. And it wasn't a good movie. Cuz yeah. you got to really get the sense of like how Dracula was created. Yeah. And like this warrior that became, you know, Dracula. Yeah. Which is, I, I just, I've always loved those stories. Were you a fan of the, like, Bram Stoker's Dracula? Oh, yeah. yeah Gary yeah, yeah. Oldman. Like, Amazing. come on. Yeah. That guy is, oh, man. I was well, just, just like, and it, you know, it's so fairy tale-ish, yeah. the movie. Yeah. But it's so dark and visceral and gritty. It's, and it's so just, good. You know, that part where they go in the room and it's he's made of the rats and stuff. Oh, man. Or it's the big demon and he turns into the rats and look what your God has done to me. Oh, my. Gary Oldman. Actually, I was just watching a trailer the other day for uh, Immortal Beloved. Okay. Like, he and he plays Beethoven. Beethoven, in it. yeah. Oh, my God. That guy, like, can do no wrong. No, he can't. Yeah. He can't. Did you ever see The Professional? Of Leon course. The Professional? Of course. That scene where, like, he takes the pill and he Yeah. Goes, <laughs> that might be my. I'm just. It's funny because now when I watch actors, especially like him, that are so different in every yeah. role. Oh, right? it's so cool. I the first thing I go to now, yeah, and I wonder if you do too, is the the audition, and I'm Absolutely. imagining him going in and auditioning for that, and then like, okay, at this point you're going to take this pill, and you're like, you know, and you're just going to swallow it. But he doesn't do that. He does no. this weird thing with his neck and everything, which is so cool. It's which so fun. <laughs> which is interesting because from that point, then the director makes the decision to shoot it from above. Yeah, you know, like that. That's a cool choice. So you see this shot. Now, that's a great question. Like, did he go into the audition and do that? And the yeah. director was like, oh, got it. Yeah. That's it. I don't know. Like, it could no, have been a, a, the director I, telling him to do something or, like that. But, but I feel like... The kind would, of actor I, he is, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would love to choice. say that that was his choice. Yeah. yeah like, I would I would think that, that he would make that choice. Especially because, like, one of my favorite characters of all time is Drexel Spivy, and that's in True Romance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Gary Oldman plays, like, a Rasta. Yeah. And, like... It's incredible. Like yeah. these are all choices that he probably brought to it. Like the the dreads were a choice that he made. Yeah. Um, it just it it's the power is in your hands as an actor. It's just like to make that choice to set yourself um, apart from everybody else. I think that's one of the most appealing parts of being an actor. Is Absolutely. That you can you can play with all of these different characters that you have inside of you. Of this, that was the first this, thing that appealed. Yeah, me. and none of this safe shit. Like yeah, stop being safe. Like I mean. Even like people auditioning for television stuff like that, it's a hard thing because you, you everybody has an idea of what what's going on, you know, what what the character is or like how they want it. But like take the opportunity, like I said, to go into the audition room and make choices that don't necessarily or or people aren't necessarily going to make because you know what people are going to do when they get a they get a scene. They're like, oh, I'm going to play it safe, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is how it's going to work, and this is a beat or whatever. But like having the opportunity to go in an audition room. And make choices that are opposite or make choices that are very different yeah. with regard to who you are as a person. That's, that's again, that's the progress and learning. That's a learning experience. Totally. Ben, Benicio del Toro said he was like, when I used to go in audition rooms, I used to make all of the opposite choices of what they wanted. Yeah. Which is such power too because if, they, if you make those opposite choices and you're committed to it, a casting director hopefully 
will realize that mm-hmm. and say, okay, well, that's not necessarily what we want, but then they can tweak it. Yeah. You know, they can tweak it. Like that's, that's the beauty of it is just that like, as long as you know, you made your choices, that makes you more confident as an actor in the room, as opposed to like, oh God, what's the other guy doing? It's about almost going, like you said, the opposite of your instinct when you get mm-hmm. a script, just the opposite and yeah. do that. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Just worry about what you were going to do and exactly. do the opposite of what you were going to do or something like that. Exactly. Sometimes no, no. that may not always fit. It, it may not always fit, but I mean, as like I said, the, the intuitive kicks in and you're like, you can, you can, if you're committed to it, if you are 120% committed to those choices, you walk in the room, you do it. Yeah. Nobody's going to tell you otherwise. No. But you know you did it and you tried it out and it's your chance to fail. Yeah. Now, if you look at every opportunity, oh, God, I got to get this role. I got to get this role. That desperation reeks. People know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, um, so it's it's just an interesting thing because it's it, you want to go and you want to book the role. But at the same time, you want to get better as an actor. And the only way to do that is to like make choices. Yeah. And, and commit to them. Whoever's in the auditioning room, mm-hmm. sometimes it's the director, sometimes producer, sometimes both, mm-hmm. whatever. As much as they're looking for the right person for the role, mm-hmm. they're also looking for something that's going to surprise them because they know it'll surprise an audience. Absolutely. So really, this whole entertainment industry is built on. Exactly. I want to yeah. see something I haven't and, seen and, before. And it's, it's if you walk in the room and try to please everyone, it's funny because as actors, like the one thing that people have a problem with is they're, they're always seeking validation. We're always seeking validation. But the thing is, for actors, we, we shouldn't be seeking validation. We should go into a room like I said, and have the confidence to go in and, and, and be bold yeah. because yeah, we all want to be pleasantly surprised. And someone once said about acting is like the best actors are like ticking time bombs. You're not sure exactly when they're going to go off. That's right. And that's why I really, really fucking love, um, Ben Mendelsohn mm-hmm. in bloodline oh. and in animal kingdom. Oh man. Like he, I just finished Bloodline season two. Oh, oh, you watched season two? I haven't seen season two yet. Don't ruin it. I, won't. I, I swear I won't. But don't you see that? Like he's oh. a ticking time bomb yeah. all the time. Like he always has like this like mischievous like undertone. Yeah. Like you never know why he's doing what he's doing or if he's going to like kill somebody. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting because John Leguizamo is in the second yes, season. Yes, he is. Yeah. And, and that was a character. That was an actor that I studied a lot when I was doing Jesus Hop the A-Train yeah. because like the way he speaks and the way that his comedy, a, his, his pacing. It's funny that you say that because you reminded me a bit of him. Oh, shit. Uh, not not cool. you were trying to no, no, like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, emulate. No, 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 not at all. It's just, I was like, yeah, you've got a bit of the John Leguizamo. Like, it's the way that he, he, he moves and he, I watched his stand-up comedy and like it was just, he just, he's always going. Yeah. He's always going. Like he's just, his his brain is just firing off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's amazing. Yeah, so he's just, I'm so, I'm so excited to see the second season now. Oh, yeah. But man. yeah, Ben Mendelsohn, there's another movie called Animal Kingdom that Ben Mendelsohn did. It's an Australian movie, but yeah. Uh, his characters, his work, his choices, like we said, like he's very much in the in the same line of as as Gary Oldman. Yeah, like their character work from each in each thing that they do is so specific. Yeah. Like you would never like if you didn't weren't paying attention, you'd be like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, he was in that. Oh, wait a minute, he was that character. Yeah. That's crazy. He's in Batman: Dark Knight Rises. Yep, he's in that. Yeah, like he's always changing. Yeah. The way that he walks, the way that he talks, like it's just it's what a privilege to go in somewhere and 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 audition for a role and 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 make those choices like we said and be like, yes, I did it for what I wanted to do. Yeah. Like I did what I wanted to do and I can I can get out of the room and I can be happy with that. That's right. You know Even I mean? if you don't get it, 
you went in and did it. You know, you did way. what you had to do, and if if that didn't work out in that in that moment, something will always happen. You know, yeah. It's that idea of you're three feet from gold, and this is why when people say, oh, "I'm gonna give myself five years." Yeah. And then I'm done. Yeah. I think that's the difference between an artist and an intruder. Basically, yeah. an artist that's will cool. go into the room and say, just like you said, I did it my way. Yeah. Even if you know in the room it's not going well. Yeah. If you can walk out and say, yeah, no, I, I liked how that went, though. I, yeah. I wouldn't have changed a thing. Yeah. Otherwise, um, you're just making you're just going to make excuses like, you know what? Uh, man, I did that. I should have done this. I should have done this. Like, no, you and that it. happens. Sometimes ha- you do. Of course. You, of you, course. You, we're you human beings. The bed. It happens. We're, we're human beings. Like sometimes, you know, like and especially in audition rooms, like any little thing can sort of like come into play and sort of like affect you. Mm-hmm. And you can't let it happen. But sometimes it does. Mm-hmm. And then you start to develop ways of dealing with those things that may be affecting you. Like if you're in a small audition room and you're like sitting down with a bunch of people who are going for the same character that can affect you or you can find a way for that not to affect you. Yeah. You find what works for you because the method is if it works, use it. So whatever works for you may not work for the other person, but you, you, you always get to learn in every aspect of what we do. You get to learn if you put in the time and the commitment, like we said, and make those choices and be committed to them. Yeah. And it goes back to like what you were saying. It's like yeah. people that they don't even learn their sides until the day of. That just they don't even me look off, at them. Man. I'm just like, I why? I don't and understand. Sometimes it. those people get the role and you're like, yep. damn it. That's just the way life works. I get it. Some people, they just, they don't need to work on it as much. Yeah. I mean, Marlon Brando said that. That yeah. he, pff, a lot of actors, they just don't even bother. Uh, some of them, who was it? I just listened to, I can't remember who it was. It was a really famous actor who said they don't even look at the script till the day of. They don't even Chris bother. Walken, maybe? No, it wasn't. It was someone I can't remember, but I just remember they were somebody big. I've I've read that several times from from different actors. Well, sometimes like, you wonder if it's bullshit. You wonder if it's like is say, that? Yeah, maybe it's like, like that now. I'm, I'm just but like uh, I bet it wasn't like that in the beginning. Or even I love Johnny Depp, but Johnny Depp always said that like I never watched my own work. I was like, well, what is that? That doesn't. Do you really not watch your own work? Yeah. Like, yeah. Would you, aren't you just interested to see like? what you did or what you're doing, like, and how you can improve upon something. Like yeah. there's, well, I think like, I get it. I know a few actors that are like that. And yeah. I'm one of those ones. I don't like to watch a lot yeah. of my own work, but the reason I don't, I will watch it. It's yeah. something I'll never watch. Yeah. It. But the reason I don't like watching it is because I'm, I'm overly critical. God, well, there, well, there you go. But though, but in that there's learning, there's learning to be done. Sure. Like if you can look at yourself, look on camera and be like, okay, well that I wasn't in that moment. I knew it. But yeah. this is how I can change it next time. Yeah. Now, being overly critical to the point where, like, the next time you're in your head about it, that's no good. And that's the problem. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, sometimes I'll psych myself out. So exactly. the very next acting project I do, I'll be so busy thinking about the things I saw and the last thing I watched of myself. Yeah. And I've, I've lost myself that's, now. I get that. I so get that's, that. So that's why... I, I sort of have to pick and choose and, and, what I'm going to watch. And even in the moment, you can say, okay, well, I wasn't present here. So next time, I got to figure out something to make make it work. Yeah. So yeah, I, I get that. I do get that. Yeah. Um, that 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 is very true because actors can be self-sabotaging. Oh, and, and so you get can. into a room and every acting teacher that you ever had, all their their notes are going through your head yeah. and then you you're, you're no longer in the scene you're no longer present yeah yeah well you must know you're you're an actor and a yeah. writer and everything the, yeah. the self-doubt demons of course just come and wreak wreak havoc on your brain and your heart and, your and soul. that's where work comes in yeah. and that's where the script always go back to the script you know like uh stella adler said it's all there mm-hmm. it's all in the script you just have to you have to find those things that like sort of like can like bring you back yeah. to the room or bring you back to the scene. Like there's always something, you know, like Johnny Depp did say when he reads a script, the first thing he thinks of are images. 
And from there he goes again and he goes again and he goes again. We're always talking in pictures. So like when you're in the room and you're getting all that self, there's that self doubt is happening. It's just about getting back to the text and what the visual of the text is. That's personally for me. That's what I do. Like I love to do that or put it all on the reader or the scene partner because it is about them, not about you. Yeah. And that's how you just get back into it. For me, that's if I get lost in something, then I just remember, okay, this is not about me. This is about them. Yeah. What's happening with them. Right. That's very true. And uh, someone once said, you're like, it's your audition. It's your it's your audition. Like speaking specifically about auditions, it's your audition. You could demand the reader to be present. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you if you actively have that objective of getting the reader to 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 be here with you, mm-hmm. you're not gonna you're not gonna even you're not gonna have time to think about oh shit I shouldn't do this I shouldn't do that you're gonna think about how do I get their attention yeah which is like everyday life when you're having a, like this conversation now it's the same thing absolutely we're not scripting in our heads no you know like oh I shouldn't say this because he's not gonna like yeah you know, yeah like, exactly like, no 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 and that's I think that's the the level of reality that that anyone needs to bring to any scene that they're doing that's Being the whole point completely unapologetic yeah. And I think that's a difference. Unless your character is very apologetic. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Walking into the room, no apologies. You know, just like, you know, there's a difference. They said there's a difference between Canadians and Americans. And like we walk in and was like, oh, sorry, can I can I do another take? We automatically put the power in everybody else's hand except for our own. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you want to do another take, it's your audition. Do another take. I've been in rooms where people are like, I'm doing another take. I'm gonna do you know I sorry that not even apologizing I'm gonna do I'm gonna do another take yeah and you'd be surprised those people kept they they hold a room yeah because then you know when that person gets on set that they'll be professional about it and they you won't have to pamper them or baby them in any way and I've heard this a lot too the very worst thing you can do as an actor is when you're auditioning is to actually stop and say I'm sorry I'm so sorry guys can I just oh my god absolutely like first of all don't don't ever stop the scene if you don't. forget a line just say line and keep going exactly if you've seen uh, what's his name Aaron Poole's audition for uh, Aaron Aaron Paul Aaron Paul for Aaron, Breaking Bad see I always mix the names up because Aaron Poole is also a great actor in this city but um, Aaron Paul in uh, Breaking Bad mm-hmm. he he's so in it and then he but I saw in that. character asks for line. And keeps on going. Yeah. You know, there's something very, very the confidence in that. Yeah. Knowing that, like, if that person is on set, they're not going to have, they're not going to have a breakdown. Mm-hmm. They're going to be cool. Like, they're going to call for line and you're just going to keep on going. Yeah. Because they're not looking to see if you've memorized the lines, really. That's no. not what they're looking for. No. I mean, you can't not know any of the lines, but... Yeah. But they're not looking to see that you have good memorization skills no. because you're going to do the scene. If you book the role, you're going to do it. First of all, you're going to do it like 12 times exactly. anyway. Yeah. You're going to get the lines. And also, they're going to change the lines a million times before you even start shooting anyway. Exactly. They want to know. What happens that day when you get the sides yeah, and they're all different? <laughs> that's right. They want to know if you can play the character. That's exactly. all. So it's just, exactly. just stay in that character. Which is where choices come from. Yeah. Or, or, or why they're so important. Because if you start to make, as a human being, we're always making choices. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you go in there and just go like, yeah, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Nice. Good to see it. Like, it's, there's not <laughs> going to be anything in it. Yeah. There's no life. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What do you prefer? Do you prefer a theater, film, and television? Or do you oh, have a... Oh, fuck, man. Jesus Hop Day Train was the best experience as an actor in my life. Like, doing that show, because... You get a fully formed thing. Yeah. It's 
from start to finish. You get like it's so uh, it was so satisfying to do that day in and day out and rehearse yeah. that play specifically. Like when I read that play, I cried. Like mm-hmm. I felt all kinds of things because it was so powerful, you know. And 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 doing that as an actor, like learning all of the things, making all the mistakes, it's it was it was the best. And my friend, my best friend Tommy and I always talk about it. She was like she uh, she she said we said the same thing. We said it was the best experience of our lives because you're not. You're not working on a, a script or a page of a script or two pages of a script. You have to do all of the work for all of the script. Yeah, you have to. You have to do all that of the, heavy. the all of the homework. That was a heavy, heavy yeah. uh, play, and yeah. it was. Uh, that's where I met you. Yeah, I exactly. came to see you in that. Yeah, and uh, you just knocked it out of the park, man. Thanks, like right, man. right there. That's yeah. where I was like, I got to know more about this guy. <laughs> that's why I've been after you to be on the yeah. podcast. I mean, forget the fact that the character was obviously not you. Yeah. Not at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, you know, well, some actors, they, they, they play roles and you talk to them after and go, wow, you're pretty much this character, yeah. right? Not always, yeah, but yeah. it happens. And you, like, I remember we all went out afterwards uh, because I'm friends with David LaFontaine, who who was... uh, The director. director, yeah. I know sometimes he just produces, but he did direct that. And uh, we all went out afterwards, and I was was talking to you and getting to know you, and I'm like, you're nothing like this character. (laughs) And I know that sounds like such a person who doesn't understand acting thing to say, what I just said right now. No, not... Of course you're not. No. But I don't mean it that. I just mean like the the character you play was so... Like a skin-shaped head. Oh, man. Yeah, it was just... Totally, totally. Someone had asked uh, my friend. uh, His sister asked uh, him. He's like, "Is he like that in real life?" Well, that's. But you know what it is? It's a compliment to your authenticity as the character. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. Because I think a lot of times when we see actors, you know, a lot of even really popular actors have been accused of that. Like De Niro, I know a lot of people say, "Well, De Niro's just playing himself." Well, well, now he phones it in. But like before, like in Mean Streets and like The Godfather, Awakenings. Yeah, like completely different. Like commitment yeah you know like it's like that's why that's why jesus off the atrium because it required 150 percent commitment yeah and learning those lines backwards and forwards so that then i could study john Leguizamo and and say okay well i have to speed this up this is a pacing this is the pacing this is new york this is this is how it's gonna go and that's why it's so fun because you start to bring in all of these things yeah and you get to like put them on the tool belt and you're like all right i'm gonna use this i'm gonna use this i'm gonna use this and that's that's like Ben Mendelsohn in Bloodline getting to do a fully formed character through like a whole season. Yeah. Like I haven't had the opportunity to do that on television or film yet, but to do that on the stage every night. Oh man. Well, that's why I think for you, it would almost be, you know, a cakewalk for film and TV because theater, you, like you said, you've yeah. got that character fully formed and everything, yeah. right? With television, you get to take breaks. Yeah. You get breaks between scenes, you get breaks, yeah. you know, between episodes and things yeah. like that. So you get to develop the character more and more and work it out, work Absolutely. it out. Whereas when you're on stage, all the preparation you've done, like in theater, all the preparation, the months and months of preparation, yeah. it either worked out or it didn't. Yeah. And, and it's not like an audition where you, I'm, I'm just going to take it again. Yeah. No matter how unapologetic you want to be, can't you can't do, do that. that. Yeah. So, and, and, and yet you, you, you nailed it with an authenticity and a, a realism that was, uh, frightening, saddening, um, 
um, scary and at times uplifting and things mm. like that that was just so believable. Mm. That's why I was like, is there a part of this character that's you? And I don't see any evidence yeah. in, the, the, in the two years since, since yeah. I saw that. In talking to you, I don't see any evidence in that too. Yeah. Here's what here's what you do. Yeah. You you post sweet little videos of yeah. playing guitar yeah. and, and sweet little songs. Yeah. <laughs> well, not yeah. that character. Yeah, no, not at all, man. <laughs> but it's so interesting that you said that because it it goes back to as human beings, we all have universal truths. Right. There's always something universal with every character that we play. And all that character wanted was justice. Mm-hmm. And as a human being, that's a powerful thing because we all want justice to be served. We all have family. We all care for people. Those are the things that I found with that character that could, for me, make it real for me always being on stage was having, needing people. We all, we need people and having justice because his friend was taken away from him. So, and he just, he didn't, he didn't know any better. You know what I mean? And I think that what 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 was so what what resonated with me throughout the whole thing was that um the older the older um officer played by Anthony Oak, D'Amico, his monologue is killer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I didn't know he said I didn't know Lucius Jenkins too well, but I could tell you that he was a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just human beings and like the it, it that's what the the connection of people in that play. Like I have yet to read something else that has been so powerful for me, but yeah. I think it's it's when we we find those universal things. Is it love or power? You know what I mean. And mm-hmm. it was love for that character and for all of them. They just needed to be with. They just needed somebody. It was one of those plays and one of those stories that um, it reminded me. Like as I'm sitting in the audience and I was completely enthralled. Mm-hmm. It was one of those stories that reminded me why. I wanted to be an actor or a writer or or any sort of a creative person Uh, was to a be involved in stories like this or b tell stories like this and then to watch not just you but everybody 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 Ronnie like everybody Tommy Anthony Scott I ran into Scott yesterday wow and and to watch it played so beautifully and 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 passionately was again that 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 brings it to another level of yeah. of why, you know, I'm like I need to get there. It's, it's a, but the <laughs> right, like Stephen Ali Gergis, like what a writer, and yeah. now he's got another. He's got a show coming out on Netflix called The Get Down. Yeah, that's being directed by Boz Luhrmann. Wow, and, and uh, it's it's a, a show about how hip hop started in the 70s, I yeah. believe. Yeah, but it's Boz Luhrmann, so it's like there's music, there's there's everything. Yeah, and Stephen Ali Gergis was like, when he was writing Jesus Hop the A Train. Philip Seymour Hoffman directed it, mm-hmm. and uh, he had he had stopped writing in between because he needed to make money, so he needed to go to a job. He needed to have a job, and so Philip Seymour Hoffman called him up and was like, "Hey, like you need to finish the play." He's like, "I can't, I can't, man. I, I, I need to make money." He's like, "How much money do you need?" Wow! And he told him, and Philip Seymour Hoffman had somebody send him over them, take him the money, give him the money <laughs> to finish that play, so that they could make that play happen. Did I say 10,000? I meant 20,000. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But there is what we, going back to the beginning of our conversation, there is, that's where it's at. Yeah. People who are passionate and people who come together to make things happen. Because if he never had done that, he would have never continued to write plays and now have a television show and, and be writing for so many different things. Like that's people believing in one another. 
Mm-hmm. And there's, and I mean, the sad part of it all was the first week after we had finished the first run, the first week of the show, Philip Sumerhoffman had passed away, and it was, it was devastating. I remember everyone that, yeah. because yeah. that was the Saturday, I believe, of the last show till the next week, and it was just like, whoa. Yep. That's. Well, I remember how disturbed I was by Philip's uh, death, and then I went and saw the play, and I remember reading the story you just told me yeah. um, in the little pamphlet, and uh, I didn't know that Philip Seymour Hoffman had anything to do with it. I was coming to see it because David was yeah. directing it, and um, and, the, and the Unit 102 Theater is, is one of the best places for theater Absolutely. in Toronto Absolutely. by far, and, uh, and that was really why I was, I was coming to see it. I yeah. knew nothing about it or yeah. anything like that. And then I learned that, and I was like, "Okay, this is this is ooga booga stuff." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, it was it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. How old were you when you decided you wanted to hop the A train, the um, acting train? That was so lame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I was man. I was I remember I was in grade grade eight. My grade eight homeroom teacher. Um, was my also my drama teacher and she told me that like if you stop trying to be cool you can actually do this oh really were you obsessed with being cool yeah of course i was like you know i was like a kid and i was just like oh this is not i don't want to do this like this is not cool yeah and she's like if you commit to it you can do it and she made me audition for an art school she um she coached me along the way i got in i did uh drama school for four years at union in unionville um and again, my grade nine drama teacher, who I am really good friends with, and uh, I just saw the other other day, he was like, he took me aside when we were doing mime and movement in grade nine. He's like, if you stop trying to be cool, you could really do this. Again? Yeah. Like that was said to you another time? or Yeah, for my grade nine wow. teacher, because it was mime and movement. So I was like, I want to be an actor. I just want to say lines. Like, I want to do that. And was just, but it turns out that mime and movement was my favorite thing in high school. Really? Because doing that was the foundation for everything that we do. Mm-hmm. How we move, how we talk, how everything is is instructed by our body language, the way that we carry ourselves in everyday life. That's that instructs so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, and and I've always loved it. Like I've always I've always loved it. And there are performances in my life that I remember that I'm just like, oh, whoa, like um, um, I can't remember his name all of a sudden, but uh, Christopher. In Inglorious Bastards, what's his name now? Oh, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Yes, I remember being at the edge of my seat in that first scene in the theater where, like, have you you seen it? I haven't seen. You it. haven't seen it. You no. got to check it out. Yeah. Anyways, incredible, incredible scene. But again, like Ben Mendelsohn or Gary Oldman or Brando in Streetcar Named Desire. Mm-hmm. But why? And I, have you seen Listen to Me, Marlon? The documentary. Yes, yes, I have. I've watched it like three, four I times. Cry like a baby, man, yeah. because it's... actually it was you that I found out about it from. You post about it on Facebook. Oh, yeah. cool! It's yeah. unreal. But yeah. going back to the idea that he was like, he liked Doritos. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good, was, man. Um, let's talk about food for the last half now. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. I love that. It's <laughs> my favorite impression that's, to do. That's amazing. Oh, <laughs> wow. But sorry, so we were saying no, though, but Marlon, so cool. um, I was saying that why Marlon Brando was so incredibly like um, captivating in Streetcar and Desire and it just came to my attention recently from someone talking about it was because he had done the play for dozens of shows, dozens of, of shows for Streetcar and Desire in theater. Mm-hmm. He had 
he had honed he had he knew that role inside out. Yeah, he got to do it on the stage for I don't even know how long before he even it even became a movie. Yeah. So by the time it had become a film, by the time they were shooting it, he had already had all of that world inside of him. Yeah. He had already created and had all of that like history mm-hmm. to be so free on camera to do the things that he did. You know what I mean? And I was just, and it just goes back to saying, how hard are you willing to work? If you, if you know that from, from, and you're doing like uh, scene thirty two today and scene thirty four tomorrow, and you're like, you just get the scripts and you get the sides and you're in your in the trailer and you're just like, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, you're not gonna. It's, it's that's not worth it. No, it's not worth it to to just go in and do that because if you can go in and play an entire like if Jesus Hop the A Train were a film, that would I would lose my mind yeah. because. Taking it from the understanding and the the world of theater, where we're work, it's the work is all because you, you can't you can't screw up. No, you know what I mean. Like you said, you can't apologize on on the day mm-hmm. when you're doing that play. But to take all of that work and know like all of that stuff that you did, and then put it on camera, it would be it's just mind blowing to me because like you get to really really work on it. You ever thought about doing that, adapting it? I mean, I'm sure Jesus You're a filmmaker. Train, I'm sure it's being adapted. I have a feeling that like yeah. that that I, I just thought about like how amazing would that be as a film in in like set in a prison. Yeah. Like the entire film could be set in prison. Yeah. And I'm sure Stephen Alligurgis has been like he's been approached. I'm sure he's been approached to make that uh, a film. Yeah. Or even Motherfucker with the Hat, which is also another good play. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that one. Motherfucker with the Hat was the play that I originally read, and I was like, I want to do this play yeah. first. Yeah. There are two plays, that and Jesus Hop Day Train, and it actually was done on Broadway with Christopher Rock, Chris Rock, and uh, and Bobby Cannavale. That was nice to use his full name. Christopher, Christopher Rock. Rock. Yeah, I've never said that before. Full respect. Christopher, yeah. Christopher Rock. <laughs> yeah, but that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, the goal goes back to the idea of commitment, like how hard, how hard are you willing to work? In order, and it goes back to my teachers being like, if you stop trying to be cool, and you committed to this, you know, you would you would make you would make things happen. But before that, that though, did did you even think about acting and stuff like that? I mean, like, there are pictures of me as a kid, like in all kinds of like dress dress suit like suits and like I was gonna say dresses. So there's a picture of me of dress. I guess so. fine, man. But, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> hey, but like, I'd like to all, see the pictures. Always, <laughs> always sort of like I always I loved I loved entertainment. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I asked my dad for a guitar and a microphone, you know, like ever since I was a kid. But I think I started taking it seriously when I was like seriously, seriously after, not after, but when I made the decision to do Jesus Hop DA Train. Oh, really? So at that point you were, are you trying to tell me that at that point you were kind of just like, eh, whatever? Not I because was, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do theater because theater, like, because I remember Robert De Niro being like, you got to choose either theater or film. Yeah. And then you commit to that. And I was like, I, and then I, I made the decision at that point. I was like, you know what? And I remember being like, let's do this play. And I remember the day I, I took the play to watch a show at, at behind, I think it was Behanding of Spokane at Unit 102. Yeah. And then David and I sat down at, at, uh, at Bellwoods Brewery and talked about making this project. And you know, that idea of like we were talking about earlier, like you're like, yeah, we're going to make this project. Yeah, we're going to make this project. And I was like, yeah, cool. We'll make this project. And then you walk but away. But then like, you walk away. You're like, it's not going to happen. And then when he said, here are the dates. David doesn't fuck around. Not at all. No. And when he said, here are the dates, then I was like, that moment kicked in where I was like, oh, maybe I should. No, I can't do this. Yeah. But committing to that process and doing that show really 
changed a lot for me because then I started writing. Then I started doing things that were outside of just being an actor yeah. because I knew that if I wanted to do things like that again, then I wouldn't want to wait for it, that I would want to make it happen. So that really put it in overdrive for you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then um, several months after that, I got into the CFC. So yeah. it sort of like solidified. That's that a I, feat unto itself because yeah. that's not easy to get into. It, it, it wasn't. Um, it, and it's such a great program and like met incredible people that, again, are a family. Which yeah. is the great thing about that program is they bring people together who are passionate and they do things, the yeah. doers from each of the disciplines. Yeah, and I still to this day like um, one of my one of my boys Rez like I met in in the CFC he was a director but now we create work, mm-hmm. you know and we just finished a short film ourselves that that Rez directed he also did the sound for so he had like man. the boom up and he was watching the monitor, but like it's so it's so cool man to like to to know. That like you can bring people together and that can happen. It's but a it, community, and it, it goes right. and it goes back to the idea of always, always, like 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 the teachers always said, and like I'll they'll, I'll forever remember them and and have like owe them the world because it's so easy for teachers to to not give a fuck. Oh and man, I, and tell me about and it. I, and especially if people and I've seen acting teachers destroy people, break them down and never build them up again. Yeah, but you can't do that to artists. No. Ilya Kazan said, "Of great artists, or artists in general, are like they're 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 like babies. You have to take care of them. Yeah. You know, you have to because like you and said, we cry a lot and whine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. so it's it's. I mean, I always committed to things a hundred percent as an actor. There's one thing I always did was that's the thing. Like I would never smoke weed before drama class. Okay. I would never. Yeah, but you know but what during, I mean. During 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 totally fun. <laughs> and and." And like, but doing a, a play after high school, yeah. doing a play after high school that was, that, that was a full play and that had to be, had to be done or, or we all had to commit to one another. That was, like I said, the best experience and really opened my eyes as an artist that like all of these things come together. This play came together because somebody else helped somebody else out, make this play happen to write it, you know, and direct it and these actors all came john ortiz was the original angel oh yeah in jesus hop the a train he played yeah and ron cephas jones played lucius jenkins and now ron is in mr robot and all these shows man but it's mr it's, robot man yeah that's an incredible sorry show. don't even get me started on mr robot that's yeah. just one of the best shows i've ever seen incredible yeah. again there's that guy um sam ishmael like made a project and it's, it's stunning unreal like the monologue from um christian uh, slater at one i think it's one of the final episodes is incredible yeah but again like those kind of things are so inspiring because you're like this is we have all of the opportunity in our hands we have all of the power we know the we know that we're sitting here right now doing this podcast like we we know the people to make things happen it's about actually making them happen yeah and it's and it's easy to talk you know, my same grade eight teacher, Francine Klein, who like is the best, said to me also when I was a kid, you always have these great ideas, always have these great ideas, but you never execute them. And you know, that's something that will live in me forever because it's true. That's if, if, if I can, if I let things fall by the wayside or if I'm writing and say, eh, it's whatever it is, what it is. But if I remember that, what she told me, there's nobody else that's going to do it except for me. Mm-hmm. And then the team brings it together. 
you know, like, but if I'm not writing something, I'm just waiting around for what? And we can all have great ideas, but it's the people that execute those ideas that move to the next, the next place in life or whatever it may be. Absolutely. But they're the people that, that make work and find their team and, and really get things going because it's easy to have a hundred scripts, but never do anything with it. You know, like, and it's scary. It's scary. What we do is scary. You're writing your life sometimes. Like you're writing yourself, like you said, like putting that out into the world and having people see that and not, not even connect with it or, or nah, I didn't like that idea. It's, it, it could be disheartening, but it also, again, like we said, if you can take from those experiences and learn from them, God, we just, we'd be, we'd be killing it, yep. you know? And that's why I feel like that's what separates great artists from just, you know, the intruders. Yeah, the intruders. The ones that are just, you know, I'll give it two years. <laughs> exactly. What do you, yeah, exactly. Or the people that are like, yeah, you know what, I've always thought about doing acting. I'm just like, oh, it's a good I, impression of what they sound like. You don't know. Do, yeah. you, do you have an agent? Uh, <laughs> oh, can you put me in touch with them? I was like, what? Oh. How, do you, how do you get an agent? Do yeah. They, like, do you like, do, they, do they like baked goods? Do you do send I, them baked goods? Do I have to pay for them? Is that What, what do they yeah. do? Do you, do you buy them presents? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hear a lot of them are Jewish. Yeah. Do they, do they like Jewish things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, uh, it's, it, but I mean, it's such a, it's such a cool thing to like be amidst people who are like, like yourself, like David, like Unit 102, like. It's hard though, because they can dress up in, in, uh, in like they can be a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Mm. Or, or the opposite, whichever it is. Yeah. And, and you'll get in, it's easy to be fooled, man. You, you get involved, you talk to people and they say, oh, I'm going to do, 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 you know, and then nothing. It's, it, and that's, that's the disheartening part too, because you start to make friends but, and you yeah, start to make Yeah, and you movements. like the person and then yeah. you realize, but you're just all talk. Yeah. You're that's not... that. And that's the thing, right? It's just like, I remember there's this, there's something about like when people are out at parties and the people who are making work are not at those parties. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like the people who are at home working and working and working. It's funny you say that because I, I, I recognize that networking is important in this business. Socializing is important. It's hard. In this business. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I, like you said, I see all these people that that's all they're doing is networking constantly. It's like how, if you have how nothing you have to network with. Work? Yeah. What are you doing? If you have nothing to talk about, yeah. If you if you're going in there, so what do you do? It's like, oh, I'm an actor. It's like, oh, cool. So what we, like that? Okay, what else do you do? Like, I find, <laughs> yeah. I find I find the best conversations I've ever had with people in the industry have nothing to do with being in the industry at all. Mm -hmm. It's about talking about shit that doesn't even relate to it. It's like talking about like video games or like music or anything to do with not like. So you're an actor. What have you been in? Like, nah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Because then you create. Um, a partnership that's founded on real shit as opposed to like, oh, you're an actor, but you're an actor in that. That's cool. Like, where does that go from there? Mm -hmm. But like at the end of the night, after you've had this conversation with these great people, then they're like, oh, what do you do, by the way? It's like, oh, I'm an actor. It's like, oh, shit, I'm a producer. Oh, shit, cool. Like, we should totally work together at some well, point. That's just, an, that's just you're, you're saying the best way for me to show the world and, and give to the world is, is through being an actor and a writer and a creator, mm -hmm. right? But but who I am, those are things I do. Yeah. And, and while it might be admirable that I created something or I was in something or whatever, who I am is far more complex and far more interesting. Absolutely. And far more fulfilling than those things that I do. Absolutely. I agree with that 100% because, but it's so easy to fall into the trap of thinking that you need to 
say th- like oh, well, like I, it goes back this. to what you said. You want the need to impress and the the need yeah. to find validation and and that, that it just throw that out the window and have a good conversation with one person because if you connect with one person out of ten, you're far better off than having met ten people and gotten business cards because the next day. You're going to look, oh, shit, it's Texas. What are you going to do? Like, I mean, like at the end of the day, you ra- I'd rather have a good conversation with someone yeah, man. and learn about them and like w- who they are as opposed to like what they can do for me yeah, or what I can do for them. I wish this could have been one of those conversations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was fantastic, man. Awesome, man. This was so great. Yeah. Do we miss anything? Is there anything else you wanted to? I no, man. I'm. I, I didn't even a, remember that this thing was on. This is an hour and ten. We're oh at. shit! Holy moly! I didn't, even, I didn't even realize. I that, know, man. man. Like, yeah. You, well, well, you've been rambling forever, man. <laughs> didn't you take a hint when I started looking at my watch? And I'm not even wearing one. I'm yeah, just tapping yeah. my wrist. Like, maybe you should well, shut you up. <laughs> my God! Awesome, man. <laughs> but no, this was uh, this was awesome, dude. Yeah. I'm I'm so glad to. Uh, to, that I got to, to get to know you a bit more. Again, yeah, man. Thank your, you for having me. Your head. No, thanks, man. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Let's do it again. Absolutely, There's man. There's obviously more to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I feel that way too. <laughs> I know nothing about your family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, but thanks a lot. Awesome. This was fantastic. Absolutely, man. All right, awesome. Andy McQueen. You know, he talks about being cool and how uh, his, his he had some teachers say to him, uh, you know, if you stop trying to be cool, You'll get somewhere. I have trouble envisioning him not being cool because he is really one of the coolest guys and interesting guys, and it's it's great to get to know him better. God, I love the fact that I get to have these awesome conversations with all these fantastically talented people. So great. Thanks, Andy, for being on the show, and make sure you check him out in everything he ever does and uh, become a fan as I have. Big things for him. Big things. And uh, speaking of big things... Don't forget, this coming Thursday, the 23rd, on the podcast will be Robert Watts, legendary producer. As I said in the opening, he's going to be here talking about working in the industry since the 60s. So that's going to be fascinating. And I have to, uh, I need to prepare for that interview. I really need to prepare for that interview. And also, he's going to be doing a conversation with Robert Watts at the Royal Cinema in Toronto on the 25th at... Two o'clock and uh go find the tickets and go all right so don't forget that check back thursday for that and uh thanks again to andy for being on the show uh such a great guy such a great talent and for all of you i hope you're you're enjoying the summer i hope you're enjoying the weekend and enjoying the sun getting out get out and get some sun people and have fun you know take some of the stress off your back you've been carrying around too long you deserve better and until uh thursday Remember, life doesn't happen to you. Life happens through you. Thanks so much, everybody.